Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan. And this is the podcast where we read banned books to try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. And this season, we are reading The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Spoilers are inevitable because that's what we're going to do. We're going to read the book out loud. Today, we're reading a chapter, chapter 39. We are getting close to the end, Jennifer. But that means there are going to be spoilers ahead. So if you don't want to be spoiled, as they say, head on over to Bandcamp Season 4, Episode 1, and you can get caught up. Please follow us on Instagram at Bandcamp underscore podcast. Now, before Jennifer starts reading, let's introduce the third member of our team, our trusty fact-checking robot, to give us a brief overview of where we left off in the story. Look at this guy. In the latest Bandcamp episode, we dive into the heart of Tom Sawyer's overcomplicated escape plan as Tom layers on one absurd requirement after another, from inscriptions to a coat of arms that no one asked for, Hawk and Jim humorously indulge his wins. But as the plan grows more bizarre, one has to wonder, will they ever escape? Or is Tom just enjoying his own theatrics a bit too much? Honestly, I'm starting to get sick of this Sawyer kid's penchant for theatrics slowing down the escape with foolishness. What happens next? Well, let's find out if we can ever get past Tom's next brilliant idea. Wow, even the robot is getting sick of this story. All right, very good. Well, with that being said, Dan, let's begin chapter 39 of Huckleberry Finn. Let's see, maybe we'll get out of these uh, ridiculous schemes and back on the river. Yeah. Where we belong. In the morning, we went up to the village and bought a wire rat trap and fetched it down and unstopped the best rat hole. And in about an hour, we had 15 of the bulliest kind of ones. And then we took it and put it in a safe place under Aunt Sally's bed. What could go wrong? (laughs) I know, right? What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) But while we was gone for spiders, little Thomas Franklin, Benjamin Jefferson, Alexander Phelps found it there and opened the door of it to see if the rats would come out. And they did. And Aunt Sally, she come in. And when she got back, she was standing on top of the bed, raising cane, and the rats was doing what they could to keep off the dull times for her. So she took and dusted us both with hickory, and we was as much as two hours catching another fifteen or sixteen, dropped them, meddlesome cub, because the first haul was the pick of the flock. I never see a likelier lot of rats than what that first haul was. So Aunt Sally figured it was them, and she started beating them, Huck and Tom? I think that's what the hickory is, the old hickory stick. Listen, I am against this kind of activity, (laughs) except hear me out. (laughs) I'm okay with uh, her uh, slapping Tom around. We got a splendid stock of sordid spiders and bugs and frogs and caterpillars and one thing or another. And we liked to got a hornet's nest, but we didn't. And then we went for the snakes and grabbed a couple of dozen garters and house snakes and put them in a bag and put it in our room. And by that time, it was supper time. Where do these guys go? Menace Inc. Met the Menace Depot. <laughs> Where they walk in, we need rats. We need snakes. Do you have any hornets' nests? Ah, sure, over aisle four. Maybe we'll get some hornets' nests. Undecided yet. What is? God dang it, man! These are a couple of resourceful boys. I tell you, they know where all these things hang out. And it was supper time, and a rattling good honest day's work. And hungry? Oh no, I reckon not. And there weren't a blessed snake up there when we went back. We didn't half tie the sack. And they worked out somehow and left. Oh, God, so now there are snakes in the house? It's just, 
Menace. I know we say it every episode. It's time for these kids to leave. <laughs> but it didn't matter much because they were still on the premises somewheres, so we judged we could get some of them again. No, there weren't no real scarcity of snakes about the house for a considerable spell. You'd see them dripping from the rafters and places every now and then, and they generally landed in your plate or down the back of your neck, and most of the time where you didn't want them. Well, they was handsome and striped, and there weren't no harm in a million of them. But that never made no difference to Aunt Sally. She despised snakes, be the breed what they might, and she couldn't stand them no way you could fix it. And every time one of them flopped down on her, it didn't make no difference what she was doing. She would just lay that work down and light out. I never see such a woman. I thought you were going to say, she, no matter what happened, she'd drop what she was doing and light up and just get so high that she could just deal with this bullshit. <laughs> I never see such a woman. You couldn't get her to take a hold of one of them with the tongs. And if she turned over and found one in bed, she would scramble out and lift a howl that you would think the house was a fire. I feel so bad for her having these kids around. Bad news. I, I feel sad for Uncle Silas. Because she's probably yeah. going to blame this on him. I thought you said you got all those rat holes and snake holes done. I don't remember, right? Oh God, you're yes. right. <laughs> she disturbed the old man so that he said he could most wish there hadn't ever been no snakes created. Why, after every last snake had been gone clear out of the house for as much as a week, Aunt Sally weren't near over it. When she was sitting thinking about something, you could touch her on the back of her neck with the feather and she would jump right out of her stockings. It was very curious, but Tom said all women was just so. He said they was made that way for some reason or other. We got licking every time one of our snakes come in her way, and she allowed these lickings weren't nothing to what she would do if we ever loaded the place again with them. Okay, so she is placing the blame on them, and that's good. Can you imagine how frustrated she is? Why are all these rats in our house? Oh, well, we were playing around, blah, blah, two seconds later. Why did a snake just land on my neck? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. like, it's like, guys, she's really being patient. She is being patient. But my question is, like, if it's been a week and she's not over it yet, how long has this been going on for? This whole thing with snakes and rats dropping from yeah. the ceiling or coming out of the bed? Yeah. Well, no, no, not that. Like, how long has Jim been prisoner in that oh, shed, really? And again, we go back to the same question. Why didn't he leave on day one? Yeah. Has this been months? It's been at least a week. It feels like years. Yeah. But I minded the trouble we had to lay in another lot. We got them laid in and all the other things. And you never see a cabin as blithesome as Jim's when they'd all swarm out for music and go for him. That's poor Jim. I know this is supposed to be funny, but I'm yeah. not enjoying this. This is like torture for me. It's really <laughs> sad. Like life as an enslaved person isn't fun to begin with and yeah there's this and knowing that you're so close to freedom jim didn't like the spiders and the spiders didn't like jim and so they'd lay for him and make it mighty warm for him and he said that between the rats and the snakes and the grindstone there weren't no room in bed for him scarcely and when there was a body couldn't sleep it was so lively it was always lively he said because they never all slept at one time but took turn about so when the snakes was asleep, the rats was on deck. And when the rats turned in, the snakes came on watch. So he always had one gang under him in his way and the other gang having a circus over him. 
and if he got up to hunt a new place, the spiders would take a chance at him as he crossed over. He said if he ever got out this time, he wouldn't ever be a prisoner again, not for a salary. Well, by the end of three weeks? Jesus. Well, by the end of three weeks, everything was in pretty good shape. The shirt was sent in early, in a pie, and every time a rat bit Jim, he would get up and write a line on his journal whilst the ink was fresh. The pens was made, the inscriptions and so on was all carved on the grindstone. The bed leg was sawed in two, and we had et up the sawdust, and it gave us the most amazing stomach ache. We reckoned we was all going to die, but didn't. It was the most undigestible sawdust I ever see, and Tom said the same. But as I was saying, we got all the work done now at last, and we was all pretty much fagged out too, but mainly Jim. The old man had wrote a couple of times to the plantation below Orleans to come and get their runaway N-word, but hadn't got no answer, because there weren't no such plantation. So he allowed he would advertise Jim in the St. Louis and New Orleans papers. And when he mentioned the St. Louis ones, it gave me the cold shivers, and I see we had no time to lose. So Tom said, now for anonymous letters. So Silas is Tom. waiting on a response from whatever plantation said Jim ran away yeah, from. Yeah, and now they didn't reply. So now he's thinking of just advertising. Right. right? Well, yeah. Why doesn't he just keep Jim? Rarely on the side of plantation, <laughs> Jennifer. But why is he going so, I guess he's a preacher. He wants to do the right thing. And by right, I mean totally messed up. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Well, hopefully this will kick Huck in the ass to say, Tom, you had your fun. We're done. We're getting them out now because now it's getting a little too hot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because now he's thinking of advertising them. Yeah. Up to St. Louis. Okay. And there's got to be a billion King and Duke type of guys out there who are looking like, oh, well, let's just say he's ours and then we'll go sell him for 10 bucks and get drunk. Right? Total, totally. So Tom said, now for the anonymous letters. What's them? I says. Warnings to the people that something is up. Sometimes it's done one way, sometimes another. But there's always somebody spying around that gives notice to the governor of the castle. Oh, God, here we go again with these fantasies. When Louis XVI was going to light out of the Tuileries, a servant girl done it. It's a very good way, and so is the anonymous letters. What does lighting out of the Tuileries mean? When Louis XVI was going to light out of the Tuileries, a servant girl done it. So maybe he was going to escape from a castle called the Tuileries and the servant girl told whoever, like, hey, so-and-so is trying to escape. Hi, I'm Dan. And my name's Jennifer, and we're from Bandcamp, a comedy podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. Season six of Bandcamp premieres on June 4th, and we picked a fantastic book for this season. And the name of the book is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Allier Science. It's our first contemporary book. It explores friendship and sexuality through the experiences of two Mexican-American teenagers living in El Paso in the 80s. 
If you are new to Bandcamp, each season we read an entire book. In each episode of that season, Jennifer reads the chapter out loud and we comment and try to have fun as we go. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. So please join us as we try and figure out why Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe could have ever been banned. But I bet we're not going to find anything because banning books is stupid. Season 6 premieres on June 4th. See you there. I'm confused, but I can hardly give any craps about it. (laughs) So you have zero craps left to give? For Tom's stupid adventure stories, I really do. But the anonymous letters, okay, I, I get the writing anonymous letters, fine. It's a good way, and so is the anonymous letters. We'll use them both. And it's usual for the prisoner's mother to change clothes with them. And she stays in, and he slides out in her clothes. We'll do that too. But looky here, Tom. What do we want to warn everybody about that something's up? Let them fight it out for themselves. It's their lookout. Yes, I know. But you can't depend on them. It's the way they've acted from the very start. Left us to do everything. They're so confiding and mullet-headed, they don't take notice of nothing at all. So if we don't give them notice, there won't be nobody nor nothing to interfere with us. And so after all our hard work and trouble, this escape will go off perfectly flat. Won't amount to nothing won't be nothing to it. Well, as for me, Tom, that's the way I'd like. Shucks, he says and looks disgusted. So I says, but I ain't going to make no complaint. Any way that suits you, suits me. What you going to do about the servant girl? You'll be her. You slide in, in the middle of the night, and hook that yeller girl's frock. Why, Tom, that'll make the trouble next morning, because of course she probably ain't got any but that one. I know, but you don't want it but 15 minutes to carry the anonymous letter and shove it under the front door. All right, then, I'll do it. (laughs) Huck has to dress up like a girl again to pull off another stupid stunt. All right, then, I'll do it. But I could carry it just as handy in my own togs. You wouldn't look like a servant girl then, would you? No, but there won't be nobody to see what I look like anyway. That ain't got nothing to do with it. The thing for us to do is just to do our duty and not worry about whether anybody sees us do it or not. Hain't you got no principle at all? All right, I ain't saying nothing. I'm the servant girl. Who's Jim's mother? I'm his mother. I'll hook a gown from Aunt Sally. Well then, you'll have to stay in the cabin when me and Jim leaves. Not much. I'll stuff Jim's clothes full of straw and lay it on his bed to represent his mother in disguise. And Jim will take the N-word woman's gown off of me and wear it. And we'll all evade together. Well, that means they're maybe getting out tonight. I mean, perhaps. (laughs) When a prisoner of style escapes, it's called an evasion. It's always called so when a king escapes, for instance. And the same with a king's son. It don't make no difference whether he's a natural one or an unnatural one. So Tom, he wrote the anonymous letter, and I smashed the yaller wench's frock that night and put it on and shoved it under the front door, the way Tom told me to. It said, beware, trouble is brewing. Keep a sharp lookout. Signed, unknown friend. Next night, they didn't escape that night, Dan. I'm sorry. Sorry to tell you. Next night, we stuck a picture, which Tom drawed in blood, of a skull and crossbones on the front door. And next night, another one of a coffin on the back door. I never see a family in such a sweat. They couldn't have been worse scared if the place had it have been full of ghosts laying for them behind everything and under the beds and shivering through the air. 
Gee, I wonder who did it. Why don't they just look for the anemic kid who has lost so much blood in the last three nights for making notes? I think you'll oh find your culprit. That's right. If a door banged, Aunt Sally, she jumped and said, ouch. If anything fell, she jumped and said, ouch. If you happened to touch her when she weren't noticing, she done the same. She couldn't face no way and be satisfied because she allowed there was something behind her every time. So she was always a whirling around sudden and saying, ouch. And before she got two thirds around, she'd whirl back again and say it again. And she was afraid to go to bed, but she doesn't set up. So the thing was working very well, Tom said. He said he never see a thing work more satisfactory. He said it showed it was done right. You know, the only like Tom doesn't really seem to care about Jim. He just seems to care about his adventure. But I mean, I feel bad for Aunt Sally. He doesn't care about her either. She's falling to pieces and he's like, "Uh uh-huh. My plan is working just perfect. This is perfect. You know, I thought maybe when the snake started dropping on her head, I thought that might kill her, but it didn't. This, though, (laughs) the bloody notes on the door every morning, this might be the trick that will finally kill her. Men is. Totally. So he said, now for the grand finale. So the very next morning at the streak of dawn, we got another letter ready and was wondering what we better do with it because we heard them say at supper they was going to have an N-word on watch at both doors at night. Tom, he went down the lightning rod to spy around, and the N-word at the back door was asleep, and he stuck it to the back of his neck and come back. The letter said, Don't betray me. I wish to be your friend. There is a desperate gang of cutthroats from over in the Indian Territory going to steal your runaway N-word tonight. And they have been trying to scare you so as you will stay in the house and not bother them. I am one of the gang, but have got religion and wish to quit it and lead an honest life again and will betray the hellish design. They will sneak down from northards along the fence at midnight exact with a false key and go in the N-word's cabin to get him. I am to be off a piece and blow a tin horn if I see any danger. But instead of that, I will ba like a sheep soon as they get in and not blow at all. Then whilst they are getting his chains loose, you slip there and lock them in and can kill them at your leisure. Don't do anything but just the way I'm telling you. If you do, they will suspicion something and raise whoop jumbery hoo. I do not wish any reward but to know I have done the right thing. Signed, Unknown Friend. End of chapter. That end of chapter really snuck up quick. I like it because it really does indicate this is coming to an end tonight. You know what I say about that. Whoop jamber who. <laughs> it's time for PPP. <laughs> Problematic points to ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? And work him up, as does yep. every in every chapter. I do think it's funny. They get a, a, a black person to stand guard. And he falls asleep. So now this poor guy is going to wake up and there's a note scotch tape to the back of his neck. Now he's going to get in trouble. Yeah, that or he'll be like terrified. I hope it's not the guy who's scared of witches. Nat. Pumpkinhead. That's it for <laughs> Pumpkinhead Nat. It's time for News of the Band. Insights on political missteps, book bans, and the misguided Luddites behind them. And now, from the Bandcamp News Desk, here are Jennifer Davis and Dan Schultz reporting. 
Thank you, Robot. Now let's do a quick news story. Ripley's Believe It or Not versus... Who is Ripley's Believe It or Not versus, Jen? I love it. I love it. I love it so much. First, I'm a big fan of Ripley's Believe It or Not. I know you are, too. We went there on a vacation once. When we were in St. Augustine, there was a heavy downpour, and the kids were young enough to enjoy all that crazy stuff they've gotten there. Oh, my gosh. It was such a fun time. Ripley's Believe It or Not versus Puddin' Fingers and his gang of book banners. Are you serious? Ripley's Believe It or Not, the purveyor of the weird and wonderful, is hitting back at Florida's Escambia County for removing three of its books from school libraries. They took three Ripley's Believe It or Not books out because, you know, God forbid. But also on the list for potential banning, dictionaries and encyclopedias. It's ridiculous. They're going to take <laughs> okay. dictionaries and encyclopedias out. Ripley's is standing up for intellectual freedom, and they are offering a free book to all Florida residents until Ooh. May 15th, underlining the importance of their fun, factual books in sparking curiosity and learning. We are going to put the link in our show notes. Um, I can just give it to you now. It's kind of easy, but ripley's.com slash general slash Florida books. Now, you have to be a Florida resident. Escambia County is one of the big hotspots in this whole book banning war. And it's all because of the stupid don't say gay law. They have removed or reviewed over 2,800 books, many by black authors or covering LGBTQ plus topics, often at the behest of a single Florida English teacher named Vicki Baggett. Baggett has been accused of making openly racist and homophobic remarks to her students. In one instance, she allegedly told a 10th grade student that her sister was faking being a lesbian for attention, claiming that nobody's born that way. Baggett's classroom has been described as a toxic environment where she said homosexuals are dumb slash stupid for adopting symbols of pride which, according to her, were used by Nazis to mark homosexuals during the Holocaust. She's gone so far as to claim that books detailing historical discrimination are nothing more than race-baiting. She is a teacher. I can't believe that. I don't want that lady anywhere near kids. That is scary. (laughs) It's bad enough that they want to ban books. But now let's let's go more granular. Let's 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 start banning individual words, right? Because that's what a dictionary is. It's literally just a book of single words. And then of course yes. the big brother of the dictionary is the encyclopedia. God forbid. We need to protect America's youth from the dangers of encyclopedia. Right. Just being able to look up facts and information. Jesus. But it's funny because they want to protect kids. Yet, meanwhile, this is the kind of pond scum that is teaching the kids. They're okay with her. I don't believe it. But good for Ripley's. I'm glad we patronized them and had a good time there. I didn't know that they would land on our side of the issue. And good for them. Participate in this. Yeah, get a free book. Because the Ripley's, believe it or not, books are really awesome. They're fun. No kidding. They are. I love that it encourages action, right? Because yeah. in, a, in a place as goofy as Ripley's, believe it or not, where they have like a, a display featuring cockroaches that are painted to look like little humans, right? <laughs> if they can do this, 
we can do this. It's a collective we. Individuals can do this, right? We can yeah. stand up. They found a really creative way to do this. Other businesses, if you own a business and you can figure out some kind of way to stop and just fight this, because even just calling attention to the whole thing, because sometimes these supporters of Trump and DeSantis and anyone who's into banning books, you can't break through to their echo chamber, right? They used to watch Fox News, and now Fox News is too woke for them. Oh, so maybe yeah. something like this, it might go, wow, so Ripley's is on this side. I really like Ripley's. I went there. I went to St. Augustine on vacation, and I love that cockroach painted like a human. Maybe I should look <laughs> into this. Maybe something like that. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's a long shot, but I don't know how else to get through to these people. Yeah, I think the only thing we can do is to vote. Everybody vote this November. Vote every chance you get up and down the yeah. ballot every two years. Use your vote. It's, it's what sets us apart from a lot of other places in the world. But good for Ripley's. I'm really happy that they're doing this. And I'm an even bigger fan now. Their whole thing is about fostering this, this mindset of curiosity. And that's what reading yeah. is. Yeah. And kids, ki kids like the strange and the weird, you know. That they, and it they encourages them to read and learn. And it's like, that's what reading is. Good job, Ripley's. From Ben Worthy to Binge Worthy. Hey, Rick, what did you eat last night? Well, Kate, I'm not going to tell you because I want everyone to listen to our podcast. You won't believe what I ate last night to find out. Yes, come hang out with us and spend some time chatting about food and the challenges of staying healthy in a tasty world. We have been described as the car talk of food. So if you love food and hypothetically have had any sort of challenges or questions, concerns, or bad feelings or good feelings Anyone? about what you put in your body, we're here for you. You won't believe what I ate last night. Come check us out. All right. Well, we've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, scary book people. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with one person to whom it would add value. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Jennifer Davis and me, Dan Schultz. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of a fair use. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.